Let's thank uh, the Lord. We are very grateful, Lord, for your word, for our minds, for the communion between your word and our minds, and we'd ask that you would lighten some aspect of the dark places in the way we think this morning. In your son's name, amen. I was in a conversation earlier this week regarding Thanksgiving, not the holiday. And this sermon, probably most people would expect a month from now, uh, the Sunday after or the Sunday before Thanksgiving, because that's precisely when you can talk about Thanksgiving and it not bother anybody. So this is a trap. I have sprung a trap. I'm talking about Thanksgiving in October and uh, right before Halloween. I was asked to uh, speak on it because of the conversation I had earlier this week. And I was looking at Psalm 92, right there at the top. It's not all of the psalm, it's about half the psalm. But this is the key portions that I was looking at. It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to declare thy steadfast love in the morning and thy faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For thou, O Lord, hast made me glad by thy work. At thy works of thy hands I sing for joy. How great are thy works, O Lord, thy thoughts are very deep. The dull man cannot know. The stupid cannot understand this. That, though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But thou, O Lord, art on high forever. It's rather direct. Rather direct, rather uh, refreshing sort of uh, psalm. We get the usual thanks to the Lord stuff, but the word stupid is used, and we always appreciate that. Dull men. What is, what are thanks? Because thanksgiving is a, is a combination word, right? You give thanks, it becomes thanksgiving. So you need to know what thanks is. Middle English, Old English, thank. Old Frisian, I think. Uh, most of the European languages, danke, they're all rooted in the same word. It has to do with knowledge, knowing something. And it has to do, it as it took on its shape in knowledge, it wasn't just, oh, look at that. I know, it's a strawberry. Oh, it's a Buick. What is, that's knowledge. That's a factual knowledge. But this knowledge is not merely a knowledge of fact uh, regarding the identification of something. It's knowledge of source of the object. Why it is also thought and gratitude. 
When I, ha when I say a thought has moved, it's sort of like it's a word, it's a word about thought that is, um, what's the word? Um, you know how you can use some words, they don't mean directly um, a positive thing, but certain words, if you, if you say them, what was the word I was thinking the other day? Um, oh, 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 so we, were, we were talking to some ladies last night, lush. Uh, someone had, when you say, you're a lush, what does that mean? That's lush, what does that mean? You know, the, 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 the word, just because of this context, can, be, can bounce one way or the other. From what I was reading in the Oxford English Dictionary, the word thank is maybe identical to the word think. If, in its original Old English. It's not used before the 1200s. You say, well, this is the Bible, Evan. Well, this is the word used in your English Bible, and they used it for a reason. They use it for a reason. The Greek word in the Romans passage we're going to look at, eucharisteo. You get the word eucharist from it. It means gratitude, to be grateful. Now, you knew that. You said, you're looking at us like we don't know the English language, Evan. We know that thanks is gratefulness. But if you reflect for a moment, because I'm going to encourage you to reflect throughout, if you reflect for a moment, what does it say when you have given a, 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 a circumstance that has come to you, that you, of which you approve, that you find beneficial, benevolent to you, and you think on it, and it moves into the gratitude. You know whence it came. This came, these pair of socks came from grandma. And why do we do that? Why does your mother always scrambling under the Christmas tree looking for the tag, who it's from? Open the card first, right? So you know who it's from and what their sentiment is. Because for it to move from just a fact, you got a good thing. I've got a new pair of socks. To I got a new pair of socks from my grandmother. Now, just wallowing in your own affluence of socks moves to gratitude that your mother says you must express to your grandma. You must write her a note and says, thank you, grandma, for the socks. Suddenly it moves from an idea of a good thing happening in your life to something that is rendered to the other agent because it has a communion in it. It admits to something. It admits that there is a relationship in this world when C.S. Lewis in Abolition of Man talks about Coleridge and the waterfall. I don't mean to confuse you all. He's saying the basic key when Coleridge said the waterfall was sublime and not pretty was there an oughtness in the universe, an oughtness of not just measure of what it was, but an oughtness of what it meant, who it was from, that there was a communion in the universe that, that wasn't just disparate facts that were assented to, but a variety of relationships that had to be spotted. And in thanks, you're spotting a relationship of gift, not just a good that you have. And to be grateful 
it is good to give thanks. Now, Thanksgiving, I was encouraging the person this week to pray Thanksgivings. Prayer is sort of a, a, a difficult word. It just means request. And so when you're giving Thanksgiving, you're not making requests. So it's really not prayer. You have Thanksgivings and you have prayers. Those are different. So what if I was talking to God? Well, it's still Thanksgiving and not a prayer. A prayer is a request. Do you notice that in the Lord's Prayer, there's no thanksgiving? Teach us to pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. There's a request. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. All requests. That's the Lord's Prayer. Prayer occurs uh, in, in, in any lot of forms. When you go to mom and ask her for a cookie, that's a prayer. And when you ask, go to God and ask for healing Aunt Betty, that's a, that's a prayer. Thanksgiving can occur in a variety of circumstances as well. Here, give thanks to the Lord, sing praises, declare thy steadfast love. Using musical instruments, the music of the lute, the harp, the melody of the lyre. I can... I can express thanksgiving to you about God. You can have it in your conversation. You can have it in communion with God where you're speaking to him and declaring to him what you're thankful for. But it can also occur to other people. It can occur in song. It can occur in just in regular praise. How thankful you are. If I tell someone else, if you give me, let's say, a motorcycle, and I'm very thankful, I will thank you, I'll send you a card, I will probably thank God, and I will express that thanksgiving to anybody I meet. Boy, I'm thankful I got this, as I tool around town. I am sure thankful. Now that's thanksgiving, even if you're not the one who gave it to me. Though you might want to think that you ought to be the one who gives it to me, Triumph 650, Bonneville. That's all. Green. It occurs in these many forms, but it must occur, because it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Now, out of that Psalm 92, we walk right into Romans 1. Now, Romans 1 is this, you know, this great apologetic passage. You know, it's Paul at his best. He unloads the store on everybody about all sorts of sin and, and folly of thought. And, and, and it's all in there, but we're not going to talk about that directly. We're going to talk about this Thanksgiving thing. For the wrath of God, verse 18 is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles. 
They did not honor him as God or give him thanks. In this conversation with the Buddhist young man this week, he had gotten to the point where he couldn't see any wonder or beauty. Everything was repulsive, all things. Repulsive was the word he used. The human body was repulsive because it was filled with guts. And I said, you know, there is skin on the outside of that, covering all the guts up, almost like God intended us not to look at the guts, but look at the skin. They flee. They find out that if they fled God's honor and thanks to him, they end up futile in their thinking. Their senseless minds become darkened because they do not honor God or give him thanks. We know from the Psalm 92 that a dull man doesn't understand, a stupid man doesn't get it. And futility of thought, senselessness overtakes you. Now, when I talk to Christians of varying kinds, now this passage in Romans is not about Christians, it's about non-Christians people who get caught up in all sorts of wickedness. But I know, I'm as a pastor, I end up counseling people and talking to people about, or just sharing about how things are going, and they say, I really have a hard time with loving so-and-so, or, oh boy, when I pray, I have a hard time trusting God, or, or understanding what God is. Where did evil come from, pastor? You. That was easy. Uh, I didn't mean that. Yes, I meant it. Understanding the things of God, obeying the things of God, rejoicing in the things of God, loving people, and trusting God, getting on your knees in prayer and really trusting God, not just testing him all the time. Lord, I asked for this and you didn't, Aunt Betty got worse. There is no God. Do you struggle with all sorts of things? We struggle with all this stuff, the senselessness of it, the futility of your thought. You can't seem to get anywhere with it. You can't seem to, I'm going to lay out a, a completely plausible atheistic philosophy of life. Oh, sure you are. That's been tried. Not going to happen. You could try to lay out a plan for your life that hasn't taken into consideration who God is and what he has done. Because remember, thanks is a thought with an object because there's a relationship in the thing that was given to you. That it was given, was given by a God. And as soon as you start to say there is no creator, as soon as you start to look at the whole world and say his invisible power and deity are not clearly perceived in the things that have been made, you are going to fall into a a realm of futility in your thought, that you won't have any defense of your God, even as a Christian, of your God, from all the things that beset you. Look at what it does to them. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their heart, in the lusts of their heart, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's what you do. You don't honor God or give him thanks. You don't go, huh, a tree. Thank you, God. For that tree. This morning, for this morning, this universe, the beauties of it, you can be spent a lot of time walking around just your neighborhood 
lifting thanks to your God. But as soon as you start to lie or believe a lie that he didn't make it, he didn't give it, you don't have to render it, you don't honor him. If you don't honor, if you don't render, you will not know him. You've exchanged him for a lie. You've exchanged and you come to church and you get maybe some kind of little card handed to you that defines the classically theist view of who the Christian God is. And you go, okay, uh, uh, all right, I'll believe that. But you don't know this God. Because thanksgiving and honor is good for you to give. Because it's a recognition of a relationship between you and the maker of heaven and earth. That your perceptions are taking in. The eyes you see with are at a level of complexity that we can't, we can't imagine what it does by mere chemistry. Mere chemistry and genetics causing images to focus with a lens, a clear bit of biological material in a certain shape that muscles go on and it focused things on the back of your eye a curved surface you couldn't do that in the lab if you tried well eventually you come with a video camera really bad resolution do you know what the resolution you see at is God's putting them in two in every person you know why two so you got stereoscopic vision you can got depth perception you know how weird it's getting I remember my, my sister-in-law's brother, who's a doctor in Colorado, he was, didn't believe in God. He says, because I've studied the liver, it's so complex, even God couldn't make it. <laughs> well, you might want to review his view of what a God is. You know, you maybe the God is bigger than the one you thought of. But we're facing all of this all the time and we either choose to honor him and give him thanks or we choose not to. If we choose not to, we're given up to futile things and even in Christian circles. You can get caught up in all sorts of different ways to run your Christian life and, and go through another study guide or another trendy book with a glitzy cover and, and um, uh, there is a... Um, um, There's an industry out there that produces those books. And they'd be happy to take your money as you try to find another path to a good Christian life. It's simple. Your God has given you thanks. Honor him and give him thanks. What has God done for you? On the, on the left-hand side, if, just to pull, pull a few verses out. Out of Romans, Romans 7, 24. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel. Do you know what has happened? You deserve to be eternally destroyed, whatever you mean that to be. You deserve that. You're not that nice. You weren't that nice. The God who made the heaven and earth and made you looked on you with disapproval. You were by nature children of wrath. He with good sense, good sense, not some sort of medieval barbarity, but good, reasonable sense was going to give you what you deserved. And it wasn't pretty. And then he decided he was going to 
have himself killed to set that aside. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. We sing it in hymns with the flute and the or the lute and the harp, the melody of the piano. Do you sit down and write poetry? Those of you who write poetry, have you thought of writing it out? Have you written an essay just to yourself or just writing out a testimony that reflects for a brief moment on how you pass from death to life and how thankful you are? What God has done for you. Because you've got to put God, because remember, if you do not thank him or give him, uh, give him honor, you get, give up the truth of God for a lie. So you're going to either start to become this annoying Christian box of definitions that you think are the most defensible positions you can make about whatever it is, whatever theology you support, because you have left behind the God that loved you and died for you, because you left behind the God who made the tree outside. You've stripped yourself of all the things that you can be thankful for, and you're left with just philosophical or theological definitions. You have to live according to a lie. It's hard to live according to lies. They don't work. Reality always seems to agree with true things. Reality will come home to you. Your Christian walk will reflect whether or not you've honored and thanked God. It's also nice here in Romans 14. He's talking about how Christians need to get along together, welcome one another, but not for disputes over, welcome the weaker brother, but not for disputes over opinions. A couple verses later, in verse 1 of chapter 14, and verse 6, he who observes the day, he talks about Christians, so some people observed the Sabbath and other people didn't. He who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. He also who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while he who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. The Christian world, personally, wherever you are, regardless if you don't even agree with the person in the pew next to you, and I can say that now, because there's a pew next to you, in the pew next to you, they can have a view about eating only vegetables, which is not a good view. <laughs> Any vegetables at all. Not a good view. But they can thank God. And in thanking God, honoring Him, and being wonderfully accepted, they are, they are learning the key thing. If I'm not thanking God for my our onion rings or vegetable, Vaguely. It's vegetable oil they're cooked in. You know, beef, dead animals, all sorts of things. I, and if I thank God, if I don't thank God, the vegetarian who does is in better shape. Because that person, weak and emaciated though they are, <laughs> stands before God having understood with gratitude. Remember, it means thinking with gratitude. They've included their God in their daily life. 
When you thank God, when you bow your head, then again, I'm not a big fan of restaurant prayer because I think it's a bit too much praying on a street corner to be seen by men, but I do pray at home over the meals, and I thank God for the food. That's pretty much it. Thank you, Lord, for this pizza. Amen. And I'm known for my short prayers because I'm about thanking God for the prayer, for the food. Thanking him sets your life in a certain position to him. It recognizes who he is, who you are, who's the recipient of the gift, who's the giver of the gift. How much of your world is at his hand? And even the distinctions that we have individually of observing certain things, eating certain things, keeping the Sabbath, not keeping the Sabbath. The way I do this generates good Christians on both sides of that issue. Vegetarian, not vegetarian. Sabbath keeping, not Sabbath keeping. Now, I'm not a Sabbath keeper. You say, why are we here? Yesterday was the Sabbath. Today's Sunday. But I digress. I did a little bit of work on the Sabbath. Because I don't keep the Sabbath. But someone who does keep the Sabbath, honoring God and giving God thanks, is setting themselves in the same place with the same God that the person who doesn't keep the Sabbath and honors God and thanks Him. Because they are creating a relationship with who He is. Their God blesses them. And I should recognize that they are standing under the blessing of God. That kind of person. You know, I've met people with really bad theology. I won't let my eyes rest on anybody in particular. Here. Really wrong views. Abhorrent practices. Not of a sin nature, but just like the vegetarian stuff. <coughs> that I had wonderful fellowship with. We are both thanking God for what we had. I wasn't thank, you know, I couldn't understand how they could thank God for what they had. But they were, and they honored God because of that. Because you don't want to exchange the truth about God for a lie. And I don't want to fight with another brother merely because he holds a different opinion about what foods are good for you. If he's receiving that gift with thanksgiving. It says in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by giving heed to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons through the pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and enjoin abstinence from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. In this world, God has made certain things for you to receive with thanksgiving and thereby honor him and the gift. Are you doing it? Because there are religious people who think, one, they stop thanking God altogether. They don't receive things with thanksgiving. They start banning certain things God made for you, marriage and certain kinds of food. It's not a matter of what I ban. 
It's whether when I get, do I thank God. It's to be received with thanksgiving by those who are real believers. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. Even vegetables. Now those of you who eat vegetables, sure, you're a mama's boy. But God loves you, and you've been thanking God. And if you thank God, it's, it's, it's blessed, it's consecrated, it's improved. It's not just vegetables anymore. It's the, it's the Christian life. You've been given a great gift in those vegetables. The opportunity, I like these, God made these, I'm really thankful he made them taste, well, in your mind, good. Because I won't be able to say a thing because I'll be moaning over my steak. But whatever it is you're doing, everything God has made has been made to be received with thanksgiving. It's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. It's not just, though. It's not just. Recognizing that God has given it. Remember? Thanks is the recognition of the gift of another. It has a relationship. Someone, some agent gave you this. And it's the thought that identifies that as true. That's thanks. Thanksgiving is when you give the thanks. Okay? You don't just get to say, well, I'm thankful. Grandma knows I'm thankful. She does not know. And you say, well, God knows I'm thankful. No, God doesn't know either because you're not. If you are not moved by your knowledge of the gift given enough to turn to him and thank him, you're not. You're just feeling a sense of award. Like you kind of deserved it. If I gave you $10,000 this morning, I bet you would thank me. Wouldn't you? Because I'm not going to do it. But I mean, if I did, you would thank me. You'd probably thank me effusively. Probably be embarrassing. He'd probably hug me. You probably hug me tomorrow too. You probably for the next, I don't know, couple years. Hug me. Whenever you saw me, because remember that ten thousand you gave me. I needed it so much right now. And I'm sure Jesus hasn't done near that much for you. Just the air you breathe, the eyes you see out of, and the salvation you enjoy. No, he hasn't done diddly. Give him thanks. Because when we don't, all of that chapter 1 of Romans, there's a lot more down there, and I bolded some things. It says in verse chapter 2, well, verse 28 of chapter 1, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, you don't want that phrase to represent you. You did not see fit to acknowledge God. Whatever state you are, could you acknowledge him more? Does he deserve more from your lips? Remember, not just your opinion of him. Oh, I think God is great. Yeah. God's, he's done everything. He made the world. I don't like evolutionists. You know, whatever your view. Those are views, but he would like to hear from your lips the giving of thanks. Sing it. Pray it. 
converse about it, do something with it. Because if you do not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and improper conduct. Are you struggling with improper conduct? And it's not just the homosexuality there in verses 26 and 27. Because a lot of people turn to Romans 1 about the homosexual thing. Christians, uh, yeah, we're, we, don't, we think it's a sin. But so do we think these other things are a sin. Evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know that God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but approve of those who practice them. It's a longer list than homosexuality. Homosexuality is one sin, popular in ancient Rome, popular today. It's just wrong then, is it wrong now, and so is gossiping. You struggle with whatever sin you're in. I know people who struggled with sexual sin, and I know people who struggled with gambling. You go, gambling? I don't even understand. How do you feel that way about gambling? I always felt that if they took my money, I wouldn't want to put more money in front of them. <laughs> but that's just me. Well, we struggle with different things. But it's all from the failure to acknowledge God because your thanksgiving is the constant acknowledgement of the God you serve. It's not the only answer. I'm not acting like this is the only path you should take in life. But I wonder if you need remedial God-building. Because it says in 2.1, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, whoever you are, when you judge another, or for in passing judgment upon him, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. We as Christians, we look back over chapter 1 and go, yes, powerful passage. I can lean into the, the wicked of the world on this passage. He says, oh, watch it. When we judge these things, are we doing the very same things? I'm bringing this up to Christians, not because the passage is to Christians, but because the passage has a pattern of behavior caused by the failure to honor God or give him thanks. You are going to feel the effects of the failure to honor God or give him thanks. Not be thankful, but give him thanks. Verse 4 of chapter 2, Do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We don't spend our time looking at the goodness of God. I'm not an emotional person. I can fake crying without any tears. I mean, I, but I'm moved. Some of you have artistic orientations, visual artistic, not you musicians, for heaven's sake. But you visual artists, you know that uh, you can look at something and almost can't take in how glorious it is. You wish you could paint it because you gotta, you got to honor it somehow. How are you going to speak to this? Paint it. Write a dang poem about it. 
Just tell God about it. You say, I can't even doodle. Then say something to someone. This is the fall. This is God's season. This is God's month. You could walk out there. You know what's one of the interesting things about the fall? Just a little tip. In the summertime, everything's green. It all blends together. But you look at the trees in the fall, the color sets up the layers back into the distance. But you don't see it any other time. You say, you're weird, Pastor. Okay? I'll give you that. But I'm thankful for that. And I've just told you that was thanksgiving. Start thanking him for all that you see. When you pray, you make requests of God. And doubts, generally, if your prayer life is all requests, which we think, well, at least I'm praying, good, and it's good that you pray, and it's good that you make requests of God. But as you struggle with your requests, wondering if God is listening to you, is there a God? The question becomes the failure to thank God, the failure to honor him, has removed the God from the request. You have either let him drift into a lie or drift into non-existence. You become religiously, religiously atheistic. I am praying, yes, but I haven't maintained that there's a God there. The maker of heaven and earth. I pray that at the beginning of every service we have. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Consequently, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. Do doubts assail you in prayer? You might want to quit making requests until you figure out who God is. If you don't know to whom you are talking, figure out to whom you are talking. This is the advice I gave to this friend of mine this week. Quit praying about anything else. You're in an affluent society, most of your life runs itself. I discovered this many years ago, de decades ago. I was finding my prayer life lacking because I didn't have any needs. I was healthy, my family was healthy, nothing was wrong. What do you pray about? So I wasn't praying. Well, to the degree that you don't have things wrong, to that degree, commensurate with that degree, is the pile of thanksgiving growing larger. And I started to thank God. I didn't have stuff to pray about, I had stuff to thank God about. What that did was it shaped God in my mind. I understood who I was, who he was, how it surrounded me in so many areas because I was beginning to see much that was worth thanking God for. All these good things to be received with thanksgiving. So I recommended to this person that this person take a few weeks and not pray. You know how they say to, the, uh, to Daniel, the edict of Darius the Mede, that no one would make a request to any god but you, O king, for 30 days. 
This is that sort of thing. And I'm not making a rule, I'm not telling you you have to. And yeah, there's time off for emergencies. I mean, if, if your wife is lying there on the kitchen floor having broken her leg mopping, you can pray for her leg. If you have big emergency needs, but I'm suggesting to you, if you feel that this is a lack in your life, that you don't know who God is, that you have your doubts, you, you struggle with certain sins, maybe you've got to put God back in the place that God exists in. His infinite power and deity clearly perceived in the things that have been made. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. The dull, the stupid, miss it. Take some time. Make it for a few weeks. Your choice. And say, I'm only going to thank God. I'm going to thank God for everything I see that is from his hand. You will know at the end of that with whom you are dealing. You'll know who you are. You'll know how dependent you are on the living God. You'll know that nothing is yours at all. It's given to you in lieutenancy for you to run for a time. Then he's going to take your life away from you and award you for what you have done. And it says in the last part of the passage in Romans, but God and honor and peace, glory, honor and peace to everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Gentile, for God shows no partiality. God will judge us all. If you decided you weren't going to honor God and sure you didn't descend in some abyss of homosexuality or or gossiping. He didn't just train wreck your life, ruin your family, ruin your kids because you did not honor him. But you may have slid in your walk. You may have just turned into a really difficult, theologically correct Christian. But you didn't have a living, exciting, satisfying, trusting, obeying relationship with God, the God you thanked. I would begin it as soon as possible and watch how differently you think of your God. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we are grateful. Bless us again and again. Remind us from whom these things are, our daily bread, the sun coming up, the roof over our heads, the friends we have, the fellowship in you. The list starts to grow, Lord, and we have time to thank you. In your son's name, amen.